Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking to boomer women for some time now. (laughs) If I think about it, I suppose I've been talking to boomer women most of my adult life. That continues with this podcast. However, there's something else going on at Two Boomer Women these days. Manly Monday. On the last Monday of each month, I'll present an episode wherein my guest is a man. A man with a message, we might say. Today is Manly Monday. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. This 2021 iteration of Two Boomer Women has been a ton of fun for me as I interview a random selection of women with a message for us, Boomer Women. Today is a completely novel addition to the podcast, Manly Monday. I've decided to have a male podcast guest, probably once a month for now, and the men I have currently lined up have a great message for Boomers in general, not just women, so please share the episodes with everyone that you think might be interested. It's my great pleasure to kick off Manly Monday with a man who has some really interesting ideas to share. Ideas I hope will get your gray cells synapsing and have you wanting to know more. John Orion, thank you for agreeing to be the very first Manly Monday man on Two Boomer Women and welcome. Hello, Agnes. Thank you for having me here. It feels very strange. I'm wondering... Hmm, what is the first man on Manly Monday supposed to be doing? In fact, I feel like when I joined the choir, and I was the only man in the choir for five years. Oh, wow. Sing baritone. And uh, I never sung before. (laughs) Well, there you are. Welcome to uh, all these boomer women who are listening to you. (laughs) Hopefully they'll share with a few men in their lives. You and I have spoken a couple of times, but we dug a little deeper last week when we were discussing this podcast. Your brand is Play at Creation. What does that mean? Play at Creation. Uh, I'm not sure how deeply we'll get into the conversation we had last time, but Play at Creation summarizes why I believe we are here on Earth. Strictly to play and to create. Uh, We, as sparks of the one consciousness, are here on this physical space to experience and overcome limitation. That's the game that we're all playing. And and it depends on how deeply you want to go into some of these things. But in fact, play at creation is the venture that I started for my uh, the second half of my life as my online venture, as the game that I'm going to be playing over this next few decades. And it's the message that I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, so the core of my, my purpose is to savor life's experiences. Okay, the, the, um, the emotional, physical things that, that life serves up to us that we can enjoy, we can savor, or we can suffer through. But the idea is that we want to savor it. And the, the purpose of play at creation, in fact, is to share that message with everybody else that we are here to savor life's experiences. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, my thesis is that we should have a a venture that we start. 
And I'm particularly speaking to people who are coming to the end of their, of the honeymoon phase and retirement. I don't know if that needs explanation, the honeymoon phase, but when people are approaching retirement, a lot of people approach it with this feeling that, oh, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be able to do all these things that I don't have time to do right now. And especially if they hate the role that they're in, the function that they have, they look forward to this day of you know, walking through this door called retirement and uh, being free. Well, it doesn't always work out that way. And the honeymoon period for people can last from a few weeks or a few months, like three months, to two years. There was actually a study done in the States by an insurance company, and they found that at about 24 months on the outside, people are starting to wonder, is that all there is? You know, they've golfed, they've had drinks, they've traveled. And by the way, another study, uh, they found that when people think they're going to travel in retirement, they typically take like one big trip and that's it. And then they go, okay, that, that, that's enough. So, but anyway, uh, you, you go into retirement, think of all the stuff that you're going to do. And then you get bored, right? Uh, you get bored of, of playing golf every day, uh, drinking margaritas on the beach or whatever. And you want to do something meaningful. Uh, you also end up missing who you were, the perks and privileges that you had in your previous role. You end up missing your friends that you had at work because a big chunk of our uh, our community comes from work. And when you leave that, you know, for a while, you will stay in touch with people, but then you lose connection. People start doing their own things and you need to rebuild community around you. So those things of wanting to do something meaningful, wanting to have an engaging community, just boredom. You know, what am I going to do? Uh, are the reasons why I think we should start our own ventures. And I purposely use the term venture rather than a business because a venture can be something like, and these are all real examples, um, somebody starting a school in Guatemala or an orphanage in Egypt or want to create something where they're going to bring music to kids who, who don't have it, to, to teach them music self-made, right? Like <laughs> one fellow, one software entrepreneur uh, left Silicon Valley and was moving to the Philippines to retire. And he was taking with him a bunch of ukuleles to bring and, and teach the kids there. I don't know why you would do that, because when I went to Indonesia, I ended up buying a ukulele over there to bring back with me. So... Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't want to go too far down one of these paths, Agnes. Uh, I don't know if you have other <laughs> well, questions. Well, it's interesting because um, you segued into ventures really quite nicely because that was next on my list of questions. So okay. um, I will just go sideways a little bit here. And interviewing a man is a little different for me. And speaking of retirement, because, you know, I think we're pretty close to an age, all the women I know who are currently and for the last few years have been retiring have refused to retire at the same time as their husbands. They have their husbands retire first and then leave a gap of about six months, between okay, six months and a year before they yeah. retire so that their husbands actually address some of the things you, you mentioned, like like you no longer have that work to go mm -hmm. to every day, those people to talk to every day. Presumably in six to 12 months, you can figure that out in your new life, retirement. 
and yes. then I'll retire so that you're because I'm going to stereotype here, but often in couples, the woman is the more social person and mm -hmm. pursues the friendships a little more in my experience. Yep. So the women that I know are saying, you know, I need you to figure that out because I don't plan on spending 24 seven with you once I retire. <laughs> Get out of my space. <laughs> <laughs> well, not even that so much, but just, you know, like, like we are still two separate people. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we still need something to discuss at the dinner table. I yeah. I hear that from people right now, and this is really going sideways. But right now, because couples are both working from home, they mm -hmm. sit down at the dinner table, and it's like, what's the point of discussing anything? Because you overheard my day, and I overheard yours. Yeah. yeah. So, but back to retirement. Uh, yeah. And actually, uh, so so that that point, and it could be you know, just a couple of months or it could be a year like that we were talking about, but it's still in, in the course, in the arc of a lifetime is, it's just a pinpoint, right? This is a period of great change. And, uh, you know, this idea of couples separating, for instance, at that point is because they finally slowed down enough to think about, so what are we going to have? What do we want to experience going forward? And do we experience this together or do we make some other arrangement? You know, like, uh, you want to travel a lot. I don't. I want a garden. So, well, go ahead. Go take three months and go away with your with the girls or or with the guys or whatever, and and I'll be here when you come back. Um, and you know, by the way, then I'm going. I'm going down here. I want to go learn Spanish, as an example, which you don't want to, but but we will now. Uh, the danger, if you presume that a relationship has to be maintained forever is that when you start doing these kinds of things and you set yourself free to do what you want, is that you may not want to do it with the person that you've spent the last decades with, which is okay. Uh, people end up being great friends with the other half of the couple who is now elsewhere, which is fine. I mean, that that's, that's part of the joy of, of playing at creation, of... You know, I, I say to people, you're free to do whatever you want. Go create whatever you want. I mean, the only request is that you don't hurt somebody while you're doing that. But use the the freedom to do whatever whatever you want. You know, we in this age at this time are so lucky as we are retiring. I mean, we have so much opportunity to do whatever we want, more than kings of the past. You know, we we have more food that we can have. We have wonderful shelter. Some people have lots of money, some not as much, but the freedom to travel. And I know there are certain circumstances right now that prohibit some of that, but this is just a blip. I mean, it's going to pass. And you know, maybe we're going to be like the roaring 20s again as we come out of this. You know, the third stage of dealing with pandemics and, and plague and so on is a letting go a recapturing of all the stuff that we couldn't do for the last little while. So this is a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that um, you, you voice that in terms of couples moving forward as a very high profile couple in the world has recently announced that they're separating, divorcing and, and the, you know, I get so tired of this irreconcilable differences. It just, all they said was we, we cannot find a way to grow together as we move forward. And as you say, they lead separate lives. They're still friends, but you know, mm -hmm. life goes on. It's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's uh, and and it's okay. You know, yeah. Um, you don't have to stay 
stuck in something. You don't have to let that be a constraint. If you allow yourself to play, to experiment, to try different things and and love one another as you go and, and try some different things in the world. So how how does this relate to the personal North Star you have people create? Okay, so the personal so uh, I, I came up with this with this program called the Prosperous Modern Elder, and we can talk about that a, a bit if you want. But prosperity is more than just financial. Prosperity comes in terms of health, relationships, experiences that you have, and the the personal North Star. I applied, you've heard of Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Mm-hmm. So that, I applied that. that to us individually. And this idea that at the core, we we are pretty consistent. Okay. And and I invite people to say, okay, imagine that you've got this, this North Star that's going to guide your decisions over the next little while. At the core of the star is who you are deep down. And for me, it's it's to savor life's experiences. Okay, that's my purpose. Because I, I want uh, consciousness, which is playing John, is here to to savor experience, physical experiences. Okay, and then out of that, there are certain rays that I'm all I'll focus on, things like health, relationships, have to be on on the star, and, and a few other things. So the inside is the why. The rays are the how. You know, what am I gonna? focus on. And then around that are the experiences that I'm, I'm going to have around things like, so the, the the health ray, for instance, is I've got to eat, drink, and move to enjoy a radiant, radiant health. What's, what's the word I used before? Optimum health. You know, how am I going to eat? How what, what kinds of things am I going to drink? Lots of water, for instance. Moving. Um, I need to move. I need to be flexible. You know, those are the activities that I'm going to have that are on the, the halo of the star. And by going through the, these exercises, you, you kind of choose the experiences that you want to have in the years ahead. Experiences that are going to give you, when you're about to cross over, and, and you ask, well, how was that life? You know, to say, oh, that was a life well lived because I did this, 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 the, these other things. And you choose. You choose what you want to experience. That, I mean, that is our free will to choose what it is that you will experience. And really, even that, it's um, you choose the consequences that you want to bear. <laughs> I think I was saying to you last time that I, I came to take sin away from the world. There is no such thing as sin. There are consequences, though. So you're free to do whatever you want. Uh, just embrace the consequences that come as a result of that. Right. And it's interesting too, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking that in many ways, it's like creating your intentions in each of those areas, whereas so often, and perhaps part of it's at different stages, but I think some people actually live their their, their life this way, is they just sort of cruise through going, yeah, yeah, I need to eat or drink water or whatever, I need to move. But they don't make any conscious decisions around the subjects. And mm-hmm. so it, pro- well, often, <laughs> choose my words here, often won't happen in the best way it could. Yeah, yeah. And, and even, I mean, <laughs> when before you retire, you think you're going to have all this time to do all these things that you um, didn't have time for before. I'm finding of myself and, and my peers we don't have time now to do all the things that we want to do. So, so the things like you know, taking care of my health and so on, are 
not getting the amount of effort, the amount of time, the amount of attention that they should because I'm doing too many, too much spending, too much time on other stuff. So you do have to plan that. And it's interesting. I, th- I thought we were going to go. I'm, I'm inventing a game that I'm going to bring out to some people. Uh, you've been th- reading my about notes. This? Yeah, but you've been reading my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's called um, A Day in the Life of My Avatar. Did I talk to you about that? You did. Okay. And, and it's part of my question. So I'm going to let you proceed. Just in case, could you define Avatar for our audience? Just in case. So, sure. And, and Avatar, you've probably seen the movie, but the way, the way I'm using Avatar is uh, as a stand in for you. Um, when, uh, and, and in, in, uh, in the games that we play online, the video games and so on, typically you get, you know, X number of points, say 100 points that you spread amongst your strength, your magic spells, your weapons, your health, those kinds of things, okay? You, you design a character which you then play in the video game, okay? So you are experiencing the video game through that character. Now, I'm asking people to, to think about life on Earth as a game. Earth's the game board, okay? And, and what we see when I look at you, Agnes, or when I look in the mirror and I see John, is that is the avatar that is being played on earth by consciousness. So the game is for me to define what my avatar is going to experience in the years ahead. Okay, so to draw a little distinction uh, or distance between the avatar that I see, the ego almost that I see in the mirror, and me as the author of that avatar's experiences. So... The game is going to be, you know, over the next 100 days or whatever, every every day, write down a little story point about what you want that avatar ex- to experience. And then come August, maybe, we'll write a story about a day in the life of that avatar. What is that avatar going to be experiencing on September 1st, 2026? You know, you pick a day. There's so many things that evolve out of this. Because once you do that, once you come back and, okay, I'm going to write the story of this avatar. Then you start asking, okay, so what will I have this avatar do to experience those things that I wanted to experience? So now you are, we talked about, you know, making choices on purpose. Now you are on purpose having this avatar, which is you, do certain things so that it can experience what you wanted to experience some years hence. So you are now consciously shaping what you your avatar will experience. And you also have the freedom to pop in and out of that avatar's experiences. You can experience it wholly, or if it's not something you want to experience that as much, maybe back off and become the author again. Watch what the avatar experiencing is experiencing. Hold it with tenderness, you know, <laughs> console it, etc. But you don't have to, like being in a movie, you don't have to uh, bear the full intensity of the feelings. I've covered a lot of stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we could go on for a couple of hours. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And as I, I was just sort of thinking that I had two thoughts, actually. One was that um, I hope listeners are really listening to what you're saying and even jotting down notes going like, okay, like, who is my avatar? Like, who who, who is the me I wish to be, perhaps? is that Am I right? Uh, well, uh, back off a little bit okay. from 
the me I wish to be, who do I wish this avatar to be? Because you, in effect, you as a spark of consciousness are creating the story that your avatar is going to experience. So this, this play at creation, really you go to a deeper level. The, what we are actually creating is our life story. We don't do it on purpose or consciously before. I'm asking people now to do that, to, uh, to deliberately choose the future chapters, to write the future chapters of what they see in the mirror. So can we, do we, <laughs> I, don't, I was going to turn that into a negative and I don't want to do that. Can we aspire to become our avatar? Like, I mean, uh, to, to be the same experiences and the same personality well, traits? I mean, you're, you're going to, up until this point, up until we've talked about this, you have been experiencing everything the avatar experiences because there is no distinction between you, the author, and you, the avatar, right? You have been thinking of yourself as Agnes. You haven't made a distinction between Agnes, the avatar, and Agnes, the author, okay? And I mean, it does make sense to say, can I become my avatar? Because you are it already. Um, what I'm asking Agnes, the author, to do, though, is to choose what Agnes, the avatar, is going to experience in the years ahead. Okay? And to really be that author, I mean, you know, if you were writing Jurassic Park or something, you know, it isn't like, like he was one of the dinosaurs, but he was writing the stories of each of the dinosaurs and the human characters and so on. In the same way, Agnes, the author, writes the story of Agnes, the avatar, and what Agnes, the avatar, is going to experience, where Agnes is going to live, who she's going to know, uh, what are the kinds of things that she's going to do. In fact, what's happened, you know, is, is she now an S-cubed retiree? And we talked about S-cubed, S, slim, strong, and supple, right? The ripped boomers. <laughs> the new... <laughs> <laughs> the new mental image I want to have of what a boomer actually looks like. Slim, strong, and supple. Why not? I mean, we can. And there are there are people who are doing that. When, you, when we look around us, we, we can see so many examples of, of people who have chosen to emphasize this or that or some other thing. Uh, you know, people who are climbing mountains or running marathons, you know, in their 80s. I'm not going to be climbing mountains, but maybe I'll do another marathon. Who knows? <laughs> Taking up ukulele. Take a, this is one thing that we should all be adding. We should all be adding self-made music to our lives. Even if somebody says, oh, I've, I've never studied music. Well, I mean, I could teach you to play ukulele in, in 10 minutes. And uh, and then you, you become part of this community. And the ukulele community is so kind and forgiving and, and welcoming. It's a wonderful community to have if you don't have one already. Well, and you spoke earlier about learning Spanish, and that's one of the things that I'm going to be doing. <laughs> now, I have a reason for that. My son-in-law is Spanish, but uh, yeah, it's uh, just, yeah, yeah, I guess that whole intention thing. Um, I did mention that I had two thoughts, and the other thought was that I have prepared a document where probably pre-retirement, I tend to aim a lot of my stuff at women, uh, women sit down and start making choices about exactly like you said, like, where are you going to live? What are really specific aspects of your life going to look like? Mm -hmm. And so maybe I should just step back and find a way to marry your avatar concept <laughs> and my planning concept <laughs> and figure out how that goes. Well, I because that, I mean, when you are writing a story, that's exactly what you're doing, right? You plan out the storyline. You kind of know where it's going to go. Now, uh, authors will tell you that, yeah, you start writing the story, but then it wants to go in some other direction and you follow the story. But you can 
plan out the story for your avatar and figure out exactly how it's going to get to wherever it's going to go to, wherever you want it to go to. Um, and that's the power that you have is to is to set the intention for that avatar, what, what you're going to have it experience. Now, there are going to be surprises, and that's that's part of the game. Any game we play, there are surprises. <laughs> and I don't know which which of the, the football games it was where uh, the center, you know, he, he hucks the ball back to the quarterback. And they've done this for years and years and years, except this time it goes flying over the quarterback's head. And the other guys come down, they jump on the ball, and a touchdown right away. This is like, like the last season. I go, surprises. <laughs> well, that's what makes it interesting, right? Makes the story interesting. If everything went just as you planned, it would get really boring. And and I've noticed also, because I've done this myself, is when things get boring, everything is going exactly as you laid out, we do stuff to screw it up. So that we I'll agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't think we're doing it to have excitement, but really, yeah, we want we want something to change. Yeah, they're just always just being slightly off balance. Yep. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know if you skate or not, uh, <laughs> but you have to be off balance to be able to move anywhere. If you were perfectly balanced, you're not going anywhere. It's only when you get off balance, even with running and walking, you have to be off balance to go anywhere. I'm always on balance when I'm skating because I'm dragging <laughs> myself around the boards. <laughs> ah, dear. I think, yeah, that, that ship has sailed just because I, as I get older, it's that fear of falling. That's okay. That ship, okay. From years ago, those ships have sailed. <laughs> However, right now, yeah. you could start off. You could go with a catamaran. You see the little kids like with, with the walkers, right? They're skating with walkers. You could do exactly the same thing. <laughs> and start skating. And then you, you rely on the walker less and less, and pretty soon you will be skating. Not very fast, perhaps, but you would be able to skate. Real quick insight into Agnes, John, is that between Spanish and skating, I much prefer the climate that goes with Spanish. <laughs> Okay, we've sort of bounced. You're covering everything in my notes here, but we're bouncing around. So you had mentioned the term modern elder. Mm -hmm. I'm going to retrack us now. Sure. And how do you view intergenerationalism? Is that the right word? Sure. In, in terms of the modern elder. Okay. So uh, modern elder comes, uh, Chip Conley uh, invented the phrase. He's got uh, the modern elder academy down in Baja. And I liked it so much when I was looking to rebrand your venture, your game, which was the program that I, I came up with. I said to Chip, hey, can I use the term modern elder and talk of prosperous modern elders? Uh, because that, I mean, in, in, in the tribes, the modern, the elder was, was the person who was respected, who, who kept the tradition, the knowledge of the tribe alive and was respected because they knew what the tribe would have to do because they'd seen things in the past. Modern elders now, I mean, we can be called upon or are called upon really to play that role. You, you don't become a modern elder just by growing older. Okay. You do have to distill the experiences that you've had into wisdom and to accept that you've, like St. Saint, Saint Paul said, uh, left behind the, the the games of childhood if you want to call it that and and become 
wiser. Uh, in fact, I, I think consciousness cannot really start asserting itself until you get to a certain age. And then you start looking at life more holistically than you know, when our hormones were firing. But anyway, a, a modern elder is somebody who has experienced a lot of life and now is using those experiences for themselves, their community, as well as their kids. And part of being a modern elder is knowing how to share that wisdom with kids so that it's heard <laughs> rather than dictating it. I mean, a little while ago, I would, you know, if I was going to be teaching my kids, I would have been more like a commanding officer saying, do this, do that, do something else. And the kids are not going to listen to that. However, if you, uh, you know, let them make mistakes and let them come to you and then they ask for your wisdom, then you as, as the elder can help them. Now, the other thing that uh, there's a slight difference now between elders of the past and elders now, there is so much change that we are going through that we have to be careful because things that worked for us in the past are not going to work in the near future, in the future. We have to think about what was it that caused that to work in the past? How do we now apply it going forward uh, because of these changes that are that are happening? You know, the, <laughs> while I was creating courses and stuff for this, I was watching trends that I expected to play out over 10 or 15 years. And then because of COVID, uh, what it's, what's happened is that those trends have been collapsed into a step change. So what would have taken 15 years to play out was, you know, right now, last year. For instance, the whole work from home thing. More and more companies were going that way, you know, and, and modern software companies were already going that way, having their employees spread all over the earth and finding ways of working together, finding the best people around the world to come and work together. Now with COVID, that, ha that happened for every company. It was this is the way, new way of doing things, so figure it out. <laughs> and uh, and we get to play with that. I mean, you and I talk about surprises, you know, playing this game and having surprises and so on. This has been a very big surprise for all of us. But we, as modern elders, have an opportunity and almost a responsibility to define what the new normal is going to be. Okay, we have the time to... Uh, and the luxury really to sit back and look at what's happening without the imperative to earn money today because we have to put food on the table, but without the imperative of looking after the kids because they can't go to school. Now, the older folks like me can take time to look at what's going on, seeing what's happening, thinking about how can we make this new stuff work. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this idea of an intentional community in Costa Rica for people, for boomers who have started ventures. So I'm looking to attract globally minded citizens, such as I consider myself, because I was born in India, grew up in Canada. I, I don't have a hometown. The earth is my home. Uh, globally minded citizens who have ventures that are serving people all over the world and are employing people all over the world. You know, so my community right now, for instance, is global. Yes, it's over Zoom, but I am regularly talking. Every day I talk to people from around the world, which I wasn't able to do before. Uh, when we have our, our open mics and our, our uh, 
Ayuk sessions and so on. We have people like from right now from four countries that regularly join, which is wonderful. <laughs> and that's ukulele. I mean, not to not to slight ukulele, but when you think of a a more global issue, um, to have people feeding in from mm -hmm. so many different places, yeah. countries, yeah. cultures, and and then we we all every single one of us has the same desire. Uh, we want to be loved. We want to love our family. We want to take care of them. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, that's what people do. The only reason we have wars and so on is because there are a few people who want to have power and they lead the others and so on and say, we have to do this, we have to do that. But the vast majority of humankind wants to love and be loved and have your little, your community around you, take care of them. Yeah, that, that's something that I've said for decades now, you know, as you hear about the wars and warfare and yeah. just all of that. It's yeah. just, it's, it's this tiny little echelon of people who feel the need to do that, yeah. whereas everybody on the ground, so to speak, yeah. yeah. They just... and, and, and for the most part, people are good. Uh, I was, you know, watching on the news uh, about COVID in India. And, uh, you know, little stories about this fellow who um, sold his wife's jewelry so he could go buy some stuff, um, masks and things like that for for the people around him, neighbors around him. Or he's got his, his little um, rickshaw that he's, he's now using as an ambulance to take people to hospital. You know, people, and, and why? Well, because the people around me need help. So I'm going to help them. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. We're sort of getting off track here, but I've often said that about heroes is, are they truly heroes or do they just have the opportunity to show how good people are? Like a lot of people don't get that opportunity to really shine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but, but so many people have that in them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we now have that opportunity. We, the people who are retiring, have that opportunity. When you are on the other side of the door, before retirement, I mean, you're going flat out to, to deliver. And then, you know, and companies want to squeeze the most they can out of what they pay for, right? So they, they, uh, people get let go. The ones who remain, their workload doubles and so on. But once you come on the other side of this door, now you can choose ventures that you can go and do something meaningful in the world. Before I kicked off Blade Creation, I, I talked to, my peers. So I'm in Calgary, uh, oil and gas, and was lucky enough to have been working in oil and gas at a time when the price was going high and so on. So most of my peers were, were well set. When I talked to them about what they would want to do, would they want to start ventures and so on? Most of them said, no, I don't, I don't need to make money. However, I do want to do something worthwhile with my time, something meaningful. And, and that is the, the need that starts surfacing most is I want to do something meaningful with my time. So in the dream course, part of it is, you know, so what is it that you would want to do? Uh, and I don't know if you've, if you've heard of the Ikikai. Yeah. Okay. So Ikikai is, you know, what comes easy to, easily to me? What can I do really well? What does the world need? And what is the, what is the world value? And where those four circles overlap is a good place for you to choose your purpose. Yeah, purpose is not going to find you or your passion is not going to find you. 
is by taking action towards something that it will become a passion. Right? So we can live really purposeful, passionate lives. It just takes us to go out and start taking action. Once again, intention, intention, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> living with intention, intention plus action. It's not enough to plan and intend things to happen. You have to go and do something every day, do something small. Okay. I'm going back to my notes here and I'm going to jump into the more ethereal now. Sure. When we last spoke, you mentioned near death experiences and our consciousness. Mm -hmm at the risk of just opening up a whole nother subject. On your website, you talk about, and I'm using my air quotes here that people are getting used to, when we get back home and are reminiscing about this turn on earth. Yes. Tell us more. Sure. Uh, so play, that's where play creation came from, by the way. Back for years, I, I read stories about near-death experiences from high school. Okay. I read about Edgar Casey and so on. So I've always known there's more than what meets the eye. About 20 years ago, I started saying, what if, because there's so many of these stories, they all say the same thing, right? Um, when you cross over, there's this, this bright light, um, warm, welcoming light. It's, it's uh, uh, unconditional love. Everything is more vibrant. You know, the answers to all the questions. It may not be a time to go back. The ones have to come back. So that's why you have near, near that experiences. But I said, so what if that is the way things really work? You know, just like with physics, there is gravity, right? And things are attracted to each other. And that's why you fall to the earth. So what if when the body dies, we go home, right? So what if the near-death experience, when it's, com when it's uh, fully completed, meaning it's not near-death experience, it's a death experience, is you go back home. If that is the way things work, it prompted the second question, why do we come back here? Okay. So this, this presumes reincarnation, but I don't get involved in, in those things. Just why did we come here in the first place? So your, your consciousness, everything is wonderful. It's paradise. And yet you choose to come back here. It'd be like asking a mountaineer, it's wonderful by the fire here, having my hot chocolate with my rum. Why do you want me to go climb that mountain again? It's going to be cold and painful. And it's exactly the same thing, right? We come back to play. Right? You can sit by the fire and you'll get bored. I mean, it's nice to be there once you've gone out in the cold and you come back in again. So we come back, we come back here to experience limitation. And we're serving consciousness in the sense that consciousness cannot experience limitation. It is everything. So this is actually, I'm getting into this, the second realization I had, which I'll, I'll talk to you about. But anyway, let me finish the first one. So why do we come back here? To play. That's the only reason. To play and to create. Creating stuff is, is part of playing. To experience limitation and to overcome it. Every game that we invent, humans invent, involves us overcoming some kind of constraint, restriction via the team. You know, in rugby, you have rules about how the games can be played, and you have two teams that get together, and they play flat out. They're bleeding and stuff like this, and then the game's over, and they go and have a beer together, right? And they celebrate that. Actually, uh, there, there is a uh, – talking about what's important to us, uh, even though this is all a game – 
I was thinking about this image is in my mind of the, I think it's 2007 World Cup. France was playing England. And on the French side, there's this great big caveman kind of guy, Chabal. He's got hair down to there and he's a big guy. You don't want to be tackled by him anyway. So here's Chabal and this is the end of the game. And he's on his knees, weeping, sobbing, because France has just lost the game. And uh, Johnny Wilkinson, who's on the other side, on the English side, comes over and consoles Shabal, you know, hand, hand on his shoulder. And I said, you know, that is, those are the experiences that we come here to share. I mean, that is the human experience. Right? I'm surprised, usually when I tell that story, <laughs> I, uh, I started choking up. Um, it's these human connections. I mean, that's, that's what we're here to enjoy. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> but playing at creation, we come here to experience limitation and, and overcome it. It's like when you, going back to the example of climbing a mountain, which I said before I don't. But when somebody climbs a mountain, you have to be 110% there or you're going to fall off. So you go through all this. I, I've tried climbing, like in in uh, climbing walls and stuff like this, and you wear these tiny, tight little shoes, and oh, it's really pain. I don't know why people do it, but anyway, people do. They love it, and then they climb. They climb to the mountain. They get to the top, and they're euphoric because they've they've overcome this one challenge, and that euphoria lasts like five minutes <laughs> because immediately they start thinking about. Okay, what's next? What's the next challenge I want to get into? Okay. So the, the whole idea of, you know, consciousness back home goes, okay, I want to go back and play again. And so we come back and play. And so everything that we experience is, in fact, um, how do we overcome this challenge? How do we overcome this surprise that, that came at us? When you adopt this idea of playing at creation, it allows you to do so many things that typically you wouldn't. For instance, starting a venture. If you start the, the venture as a game and you know that when you first start, you're going to suck at it, it allows you to start anyway because you know you're going to learn as you go along. You're going to find people to play with, people to learn from, and it's okay. It's like you know shooting baskets. When you first start shooting baskets, you're not going to hit most of them. However, with purposeful practice, with, with adjusting this and changing that a little bit, eventually start hitting more and more and more of them. Um, and even, you know, the very best basketball players, when they first started, they didn't sink many baskets. That's what playing at creation is all about. And that, that attitude of allowing yourself to not be successful at first. And using that phrase rather than to fail at first is you're not being successful at first because you've never done this before. And that's okay. Okay, so that's play at creation. Now, that's the first realization I had. And this is 20 years ago. Back in 2016, uh, a friend of mine who I was talking to, Frank, uh, Frank Moffat, I was telling him about some of these things. And he says, so John, how are you going to tell people about this play at creation stuff and so on? I said, well, I don't know. He says, well, figure it out because I'm going to put you on stage. In June, I think it was. I said, play. I said, Okay. <laughs> I've never been on stage before. <laughs> Nothing like a deadline. <laughs> so, so part of the presentation that I, I wanted to do, I wanted to share with people the how powerful we are. And so I created this, this little story about the size of the universe, 
one earth and we are on earth and what are we going to do with this time? So the size of the universe is 200 billion galaxies, each of which has 200 to 400 billion stars. These are just numbers. We, we cannot grasp that. But in that vastness, there is one earth on which we are. And, and for your listeners, um, do yourselves a favor and check out paleblue.org. Carl Sagan wrote uh, a little essay, poem almost, um, about all the stuff that's happened on this pale blue dot. And it goes with this image. I think it was Voyager was heading out of the solar system. They turned it around, took a, a picture of Earth, and Earth looks like a speck of dust in a ray of sunlight. And what Carl Sagan helps us understand is everything that's happened to humanity, all the grand designs and all the painful stuff happened on that little mote of dust. So, so I did this and, and, you know, talk, people, people liked it and so on. Once one person came and said, Oh, I'm so, I was, I was so moved by that and so on. Anyway, the question came, why is there a universe? Not how, but why? And the answer came to me almost instantly was, imagine consciousness is, before the universe was, consciousness is, but consciousness being like a two-year-old, being everything is bored and, and wants to play. So consciousness says, okay, I'll create a game board and I'll go into the game board and I'll experience limitation. So we, and this ties into that, that whole uh, near-death experience. I mean, when I had these two realizations, they all kind of came together and go, of course, I understand. You know, like even with the burning bush, like when Moses says to the burning bush, what's your name? The burning bush is supposed to be God. Moses says, what's your name? And the, the response is, I am. I can almost see the eyebrow go up and go, that's a stupid question. I am. <laughs> Why would I have a name? <laughs> so go, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we, the way I see us, we are sparks of consciousness. So consciousness has each of us and is experiencing limitation. So that's where this idea of the game, a day in the life of my avatar, comes from. Right? That avatar that you've got in front of you, dear spark of consciousness, what do you want it to experience? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Do you sleep at night or uh, are you constantly <laughs> kissed? <laughs> oh, dear. What comes next for John Orion? Well, um, what comes next for John? I, I'm hoping that, uh, well, this year I've launched the Prosperous Modern Elder Program. I'm in the third iteration of the Dream Course. And I am now finishing uh, getting into the, into the learning management system design, which is where we design the venture. And then later on, I'm going to do the create piece, which is the most fun and interesting piece is when you actually bring it to life. So, uh, Later on this year, in the fall, I want to have about 10 people going through creating ventures together. I want a group of us, a cohort, a gang, a squad, the friends who have your back, the crew, each of us creating our own venture, but with others who are of the same mindset. And, and I really do see this as these sparks of consciousness have found each other. They are playing on earth, making something happen, bringing to life something that doesn't yet exist. And that is the game that we're all playing. So that's what it is for me. <laughs> is there anything I haven't asked you about that 
you want to share? Like, we, we've been all over the map a little bit. We have, um, we have, yeah. But and, uh, I'm not sure. I like to listen to podcasts when I go for a walk, right? So I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Oh, I got to do. I got. I got to pay attention. I got to do that again. And and I'm hoping that people will go. I need to listen to this several times because there's little bits and pieces that you're going to pick out of it that you may want to follow up on on your own. Now, so one of the things people should understand is I I can't prove these uh, realizations that I've had, but it just makes sense. And I have chosen to remain as an infant, basically, with this understanding. There are people who have spent decades trying to understand this and figure it out and how could it work and so on. You know, monks who go for decades meditating and uh, trying to get off the wheel. I don't, that's something I don't understand. Get off the wheel. I mean, you come here to play. Why would you get, want to get off the wheel? Uh, <laughs> so uh, there's so much. One thing that, that uh, I would invite people to do is to pay attention to small signals, to emergent trends. I said to you before, there's so much change happening right now. The world that we live in five years from now uh, is probably going to be feel unrecognizable just because there's so much stuff coming in biotech, in med, in the financial stuff as well, uh, connections between people. Uh, this really is a fantastic time for us to be playing on Earth. And um, no, there's, there's no other questions I, I wish you had asked me because you asked me the ones, that, the, the important ones. And now what do we do with that? You know, if well, and I think I, I'll add to, you, you mentioned that you couldn't prove it. And for many, many decades, I have said about so many things is you may not be able to prove it, but I can't disprove it. Mm. So that makes, that makes your belief okay in my world, you know, well, like... The, the, so, I, although I can't prove it, there are millions of scouts who've gone ahead, uh, millions of stories of near-death experiences, uh, kids who come in remembering who they used to be and so on. And when you get into quantum physics, um, this idea of consciousness having an impact on what's being observed, uh, they're starting to realize that there has to be something to do with consciousness. How do we measure it? How do we bring it into science? Don't know yet. And, and that's why I say I've chosen to stay an infant. You know, I have done uh, research and learned about all these different things. I don't have time for that. <laughs> that's how other people do it. I'll choose to stay an infant and just say, okay, I am a spark of consciousness here to play. Let's go with that. And others can go and figure out the, uh, the, uh, the smart stuff, the, the PhD stuff, you know. Um, I know you're still building out your programs. You just mentioned that. Where can listeners find you and learn more about you and your programs, those ventures? Well, uh, so the, the, the website is playatcreation.com. The A-T is spelled A-T, so P-L-A-Y-A-T creation.com. They can email me, john at playatcreation.com. And you'll also find me on LinkedIn. That's, that's where I'm going to be sharing a lot more stuff is on LinkedIn, uh, stories about how we save our life. In fact, on there, on my LinkedIn profile, it says, pursue meaning, joy follows. And, and the hashtag that I've created there as well is save our life. 
And so I'm going to be writing posts about how do we save a life? You know, you save a life with, you save a great food and drink, music, self-made, save a life, save a movement. And when I started that, I was thinking, okay, movement about exercising and yoga and stuff. But then Maria and myself, uh, we met learning Argentine tango. So movement is also dance. And Argentine tango is, you know, as we get older, we can still do Argentine tango. <laughs> it can go as fast or as slow as you want. Um, so there, there's so much stuff to save our life. So sorry. So on LinkedIn, search for John Orwin, you'll find me there as well. That's great. I feel we only just touched the surface of many of your ideas <laughs> and your plans today. So listeners, I recommend you follow up with John and all the links will be in the show notes. I'll get your LinkedIn um, okay. connection there and put that in the show notes. John, if, thank sorry, you. Agnes, if, yes? if, if your listeners want to contact you and say, I want to know from John more about this. Okay. So get, get a couple of this, that, and the other thing. And maybe another time, the man Friday time. <laughs> <laughs> We agreed I wasn't going to do Man Friday. Man Friday was the servant. <laughs> we can, uh, we can, we can talk about those things. And, and I mean, that's, that's fine. You know, we, we all, to be really successful, you have to be the servant of others. The more people you can serve, the better you will be. Yeah. And just to follow up on that for our listeners, if you do have comments about the show today, you can leave them for John or me at uh, twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. John, thank you so much for helping me launch Manly Monday. <laughs> I don't know if I need to explain Man Friday, uh, just for the listeners as, a, as we close, that um, it just seemed to roll off the tongue, Man Friday. I guess it's like Robinson Crusoe, that sort of thing. And then when I did a little bit more research, I realized that Man Friday was actually a servant, and I wasn't comfortable with that. So. It's been really interesting, and, and I say this as a woman interviewing now, a woman who's only been interviewing other women up till now, is the, you mentioned like wisdom and things like that, and the women that I've interviewed have often talked about the wise woman of cultures, and you know, and how we really do have a lot to offer. So it's also interesting to really accept the fact that there are wise men also in our cultures and they too have something, probably not the same thing, but something valuable to offer. So, so thank you for opening my eyes to that. That was great. And probably the, you are the perfect person to have on the first Manly Monday. And I guess I, thinking about who's coming next, I guess I just get used to the sports analogies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, that was great. Whether well, it was basketball and rugby and football. <laughs> but anyways, as we wrap, the Two Boomer Women podcast still airs every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Manly Monday will appear on the last Monday of each month at 9 a.m. So once a month for now, unless we uh, really get some response on this or like more Menta interview. Next month, my guest will be my friend Bob Levin. He's a career tech meister. I'll be asking him about personal online security, passwords, etc., and online or cloud storage, you know, for all those digital pics of our beautiful grandchildren that are becoming space hogs on our computers. Anyways, John, thank you again. You're very welcome, Agnes. This has been fun. I, 
you know, it's amazing how quickly we can get into that stuff about the one consciousness and the near-death experience stories and who we really are. That question about who, what we really are is the most important. Well, maybe we have more time to think about that now that we aren't gainfully employed and answering air quotes to the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have a good rest of week, John. I will. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.